Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Organizational Research and Development Podcast. I'm your host and founder of the company, Philip Beeg, and I want to thank you for taking the time to press play and give us a listen today. Before we begin with our episode, we do have a couple of exciting announcements that we'd like to share with everyone here. Um, Additionally, we will be making more formal, uh, detailed announcements on both the organizational R&D LinkedIn page, our website, www.organizationalrnd.com, as well as my uh, professional LinkedIn page, Philip Beeg. A couple of exciting announcements to just give everyone a heads up. Towards the end of September, I will be delivering an in-person speech at a SHRM conference. Towards, again, towards the end of September, it's going to be focused on uh, remote working employees uh, and uh, workplace cultures and how you provide actionable feedback that is constructive, um, productive, and all of the positive things that you hope to achieve when you dialogue with someone around performance issues. Um, we will be in person there, so if you would like to drop in and say hi, that would be great to see people. If you'd like to sync up afterwards, make sure you message us. Reach out to us on LinkedIn, um, shoot us an email. It would be great to see um, more people in that area, and, and we're excited to certainly um, be delivering a, a speech that and um, uh, insight that we hope is going to really provide some exciting value um, to a lot of HR and leadership professionals. The other announcement in alignment with um, the September uh, speaking engagement is we will be doing a virtual uh, speech um, for a conference in uh, the Chicago, Illinois area uh, towards the end of October. Um, This is something that uh, we really are excited about. um, And again, I'll be sharing something a little bit more formal and detailed on our uh, social media and web pages. But as you know, for anyone who's been following this podcast, you get into this work not just to make a positive impact with the companies that bring you on and you know ask for your consultation or seek your coaching um, but you also want to be collecting real-time relevant data that is going to provide insights and information to help curve trends or help identify trends and just make everyone better like that that's really what this work is about it's about making everyone better and so um having the opportunity to speak um, at both of these conferences is a real blessing Um, it's something that i'm super excited and appreciative for and i really hope that the people in attendance um you know find some some fascinating content some very uh applicable skills uh, that they can use and take back to their workplace and make it better so awesome So with that being said, uh, again, kind of stay tuned for some additional uh, communication on that. If you'd like to attend virtually or in person, uh, we will be certainly uh, promoting that a little bit. Uh, And now let's get into the episode today, which is going to talk about trust. Now, part of the inspiration for this episode has come from, well, one, (laughs) I I, I think every employee, every leader, every facilitator, trainer, coach, consultant, you know, D all of circle D all of the above has gone through training, has read content around the value of trust. And this is something that we haven't actually talked too much about. Another aspect of this, uh, Uh, speech today or or this podcast comes from the book uh, the five dysfunctions of a team now I'm not uh, I haven't completed the book yet I'm about um, I would say just under 50% of the way through Um, it's okay in my opinion so far Um, I'm going to stick with it I'm going to finish it out but I did find it interesting how the book begins and and really circles around how trust 
is a huge influence with um, with building teams, like cohesive teams that function and, and outperform people that are just kind of slapped together or, or quickly assembled. Um, and I thought it'd be great for us to take some time today and talk about the variables and or traits, however you wanna define it, um, but the variables that we believe make up trust. Now this is subject to change over time. The more projects you get involved with, the more clients you coach, the more trainings you deliver, you should be opening your mind to new possibilities. You should be open to um, taking what you currently think about and being will and having the willingness to evolve it, having the willingness to expand it and and utilize new experience. So as of today though, as of the recording of this podcast, uh, July 13th, this is what we're going to talk about and this is what we believe um, builds trust. Now, the four um, variables that I'm going to talk about here not just come from the consulting work that we've been doing over the past three years, um, as well as the coaching work, but it also comes from some personal experiences that uh, I will be sharing with you today that I think are, are entirely relevant. Um, and we're, I'm going to save that for just a little bit here. So when we look at trust, what do we actually mean by that? Like what, what does trust, let's start with that first. What does trust feel like? What does trust look like? What does trust, um, what's the first thing that you think about? Like take a few seconds to think about that for a second. Like what does trust actually mean? You can't really touch trust. You can't really grab trust. You have to experience trust. So what does that experience look like? What does it feel? What's the scenario that you think about? Is it... Um, being able to rely on other people within different departments to complete a job from beginning to end? Is it trusting, you know, even something as small as a recruiter who hands off a lead to a sales representative? Is it working in the first responder field where you have to rely and, and build cohesive trust and competencies with your fellow teammates and colleagues so that when you are called upon, you can handle the situation um, with the best possible result as the outcome. Trust is trust is something that I think you know. For as often as we talk about it, and for as often as there are books and articles and videos done, it, it's something that always has a, a relatively new side to explore because it, it constantly evolves. Like I don't think there's necessarily any 100% right answer, and I don't think there's any necessarily 100% wrong answer to describing what makes up trust, especially when we talk about trust within ourselves and trust in the bigger aspect of working within a team, a department, an organization. So for those of you who, again, have been following us on LinkedIn, you know that we've worked with a variety of different companies uh, and, and organizations from various sectors, nonprofits, um, first responders, um, education, financial um, corporations. I mean, we, we've worked with a variety of different sectors, and, and that's really given us some insight into what makes, um, what really creates trust. If, you ever, if you've ever heard the saying, it probably gets replayed more often than it should, but, but it, it really is a relevant and true statement here, which is, you know, trust is something that takes time to build, and it is easy to knock it down. It is easy to fracture it. And that is the first variable that we are going to discuss today, which is time. If you're going to build time, you or excuse me, <laughs> if you're going to build trust, you need to have ample time for trust to, to occur. You need to give it space. 
That's one of the things they teach you when you go through coaching training, right? Being able to give your client space, being able to give the coachee space, trusting that the process, the relationship is going to yield thoughtful insight. It's entirely applicable here as well too. When we talk about building trust, we can't expect it to just happen like uh, like a streetlight changes from red to green. Instead, we have to look at it more in the sense of like a plant. You plant the seed, you give it water, you give it sunlight, you give it a great atmosphere and environment to grow in, and over time, we start to see it sprout from the ground, we start to see it take shape, and then we start to see it grow into what we expect it to be. While this is certainly a common variable, um, to identify in terms of building trust, it's often so commonly overlooked, I find. I mean, companies are constantly losing people and they're constantly bringing in new people. There's like a consistent cycle, right, of, of just switching out or adjusting, you know, the current employees that you go in with for one year and what they will look like will ultimately change in the following year. You know, and, and on a side note, it is kind of interesting, right? Um, in, in terms of like professional sports like the NBA or uh, Major League Baseball or the NFL, you know, there are, there are blocked off sections of a year where no trades can be made, right? Unless, you know, there's an injury that happens or something like that. But there's no trades that can be made. There can be no pe- new additions um, added to the team. And so these um, athletes have to go and perform with the unit that they have on uh, either the court, the baseball field, or the, or the football field. And for those of you who watch sports very closely, you can see it's pretty easy to see which teams don't trust each other, which teams are relevant are, are relatively um, uh, against each other or, or just aren't in sync. And the other ones as well that are, are have been put together and, and have spent time together and you can see how well they perform. I mean, you can even look at the Golden State Warriors. They're an excellent example of, of, um, of uh, trust. They've been together for years, and not only have they won prior championships, but they also just won uh, this past year, which I think really is a true testament to the value and the need um, to have time. Now, while it may be easy to uh, to replace employees, um, given that there is a a consistent turnover rate in every industry and and you know people within those levels are always looking for either the next best opportunity or ways that they can uh, connect further with their mission i think time and trust need to certainly be considered when you have an executive leadership team and a management team these are these act as like the skeletal structure of the human body and when we don't have time we really force people to make decisions. We force people to communicate in, in maybe more of a decision-making or a dictative way. And that can hinder the type of trust people want to build and the type of trust people feel with each other. So when we, again, when we talk about building trust, especially in a team, we need to talk about the value of time. How much time do you need to build trust is up for debate. And I don't like giving those kind of general answers and I don't like uh, providing that kind of surface level, you know, we'll just pass by it. But it really is going to depend on who is on your team. What's their experience? What's their personality type? What's their history with the other members on your team? In terms of skills, I think for the individual, that's something that you have to determine yourself. 
I mean, in no job do I know of, do you, do you not need to constantly learn something new? Or do you need to be able to um, trust in a, in a process or in a technology? You need to be able to um, build trust effectively and quickly if you're learning new skills. And, and so for the individual, that's your decision, right? Like you, you know how much time it takes for you to build like trust in a process within yourself, with other people, things of that nature. If you're going to allow for time to exist, if you're going to allow for a set time to exist that allows for trust to be built, then you will no doubt have the second variable, which is experience. Experiences are what bring people together, in our opinion, in my professional opinion. It's what brings people together. It's what shows bond. It's where it's where bonding can be visibly um, uh, recognized. Take first responders, for example, and this is a part of what I alluded to about six, seven minutes ago. I was a volunteer firefighter for about uh, four to five years in, in, uh, in a town. And when you're, when you're in that kind of environment and you assume that kind of role, even volunteer-wise, you absolutely need to build trust with your driver, with your captain, with your lieutenant, with your other nozzle men and women. And you also need to be able to build trust with your other third class and, and, and exterior firefighters. I mean, when you arrive on scene and, and you know, they typically they should prep everyone beforehand by taking them to like training sites and, you know, they can set buildings on fire that are, are trained for that kind of stuff that are prepared for that. So you can kind of simulate what the effect is. But when you arrive on scene, it's, it, it is organized chaos right like the music of that scene is is yelling it's screaming it's fire and you have to be able to understand your role and perform it as well as trust in your other members to perform their role and and perform as well the reason why i bring this up is first responders i think are are such a a pure example of the value of experience and how it builds trust within a team and within individuals it really requires a team effort and it requires trust in the structure of um, uh, of the strategy, like how you're gonna go and put out the fire in the house. It requires trust in the structure of how the fire department is ran. And it requires trust in the third variable, which is communication. But before we get into communication, I still wanna just stick on, on experience here because you can have surface level experience, which is just kind of, you know, you go out for coffee, you talk about common interests, you talk about things that you like, what you don't like. That's an experience. That's certainly getting to know other members. That's certainly being able to get to know other teams. But there is also uh, a, a deeper experiences that you need to be able to um, exp that you need to be able to literally experience with another person in order to build solid foundational trust. It's easy to go out to a lunch or hang out after work or even before the day starts and connect with other members on your team, learn about what's going on in their family life, what are things they like, what are things they don't like, where they went to college, you know, all, all the above, right? That's, that's pretty easy. And it does build, it does help to build a level of trust within the first variable that we talked about, which is time. But for 
strong foundation, like for strong concrete trust that occurs within a team where you can visibly recognize uh, and, and really identify the, um, that it exists. You need to have deep experiences. Now, I'm not saying for people who are listening in, in maybe the corporate world or um, the financial world or the nonprofit world, I'm not, I'm not saying everyone on your team needs to go out and fight fires. But what I am saying is they need to be able, if you're wanting to build trust within your, within your team and within yourself and within your organization, you should certainly look for activities potentially or experiences within the workday that will push the boundaries of, of trust that members are uh, susceptible to experiencing. Does that make sense? I know I kind of just asked that question out loud and, and this is a little more kind of like off the cuff um, uh, recording that we're doing today, but I wanted this to be authentic and I wanted this to be real um, in terms of how it was delivered. You know, one of the things that I'll, I'll always remember is, um, seems it seems like yesterday, but uh, several years ago, um, there was a, a large sale that I was a part of that I had, had kind of stumbled upon. And um, I was I was so focused on um, landing this sale for the company and landing the sale for my team that it took me a little bit to realize that I needed help. I needed to reach out to other people who could help me. I needed to trust in other people who could help uh, help me help this potential client. And that experience is that experience ultimately at the end of the day helped me build a, a much deeper bond of trust with my fellow colleagues and coworkers. This was, um, at the time, it was the biggest sale that I had, had ever done within the company. Um, it was certainly uh, something that was going to help our team, all the above. And I needed to go and connect with other tenured people. I needed to connect with other people within different departments to help coordinate. How do we meet the needs of the client? How are we going to do this? And some of them even sat on the call with me and, and either coached me or participated in it. That was a deep experience. That wasn't just, you know, setting up an appointment, um, you know, what do I need, you know, what kind of feedback do you have for me? Or this wasn't just landing any other sales call. This was an experience where I had to really lean into the trust of my fellow colleagues and my fellow coworkers at the time um, to complete what was needed, which was the client sale and also making sure that we could deliver on the prop uh, on the project. Those kind of experiences are what make are are what make um, degrees of trust noticeable. Again, kind of going back to for a third time, you do have surface level experiences. You know, there's only so much of a level like some some teams and individuals will get right where you just kind of know the basics. You just kind of know like the 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 easy stuff um, of your team members or the easy stuff of of, of yourself. But the experiences that we're talking about here really involve um, getting into the trenches, metaphorically speaking, together, um, relying on other people who can perform tasks that you may not be able to or you may not feel comfortable doing, and being able to work together in tandem, in coordination, to complete a, a, a objective or overcome a goal um, that is, is too big for one person. And that also too connects to uh, the first responder fire department um, experience. 
there's no one person that's going to go in and, and you know, take down a, a three-story house fire. It requires a team, multiple departments, um, multiple units on scene, ambulances, fire department, um, police. Everyone needs to be on scene working together to maintain and assess the situation and overcome it so that everyone also comes home safe. So let's let's get into that third uh, variable now that, that I, I briefly mentioned just about three or five minutes ago. Communication matters. I mean, even in the surface experience that I, I referenced that I've kind of like coined and defined, that kind of communication is very surface level. It is what it is, right? It's very transactional. Um, the type of communication is going to indicate the type of trust that exists within yourself and within uh, your team. Are and, and, and it's easy to point out too, it, right? It, it's easy to point out which groups have developed a culture of trust where they can say things transparently to each other. They don't have to preface um, their messages with, um, or they don't have to uh, fortify their messages with prefacing communication. Um, they've worked with each other long enough. They've had enough experiences where they know what each other means when they say something. Um, they can kind of like read in between the lines or they or they understand the secondary meaning of a message. Those kind of things show uh, those kind of those kind of moments, those kind of um, communicative dialogues and and engagements, I think really show again a, a higher degree of trust that that exists that I think, especially in management and executive teams, you want to shoot for and obtain. If again your surface, if your communication is very transactional, it's very much just kind of um, surface level, knowing again what you like, what kind of school you went to, how long you've been at the company. Um, if it's very avoidant, um, you avoid conflict. Uh, you don't really hit the nail on the head when when um, tension rises. You don't facilitate transparent discussion and and wrestle with different ideas. You may have a level of trust. It's it's certainly theoretically possible, but is it as strong or is it as as productive as the type of trust where a t- uh, a group of people and, and individuals have been together for a prolonged period of time? They've shared in all types of experiences, and their communication is transparent. It's it's direct. It's um, culturally tuned. It doesn't need to be prefaced every time. Um, dialogue flows, discussion flows, conflict management exists, um, and compromise is is a a natural tool that is discussed. Communication is is easily one of I think the top five topics that any consultant, coach, trainer talks about, trains about, um, and provides insight on. But I think in this episode here that we're recording. I think this really puts a, a unique spotlight on the value of what type of communication are you having within your teams? What type of communication are you having within yourself? Is your internal dialogue that you're um, unsure of the competencies of everyone else around you? Do you feel internally like within your dialogue that you can't trust other people? Like that's a, that's a variable that's going to influence right the rest of the trust within yourself and, and within your team. And we can go much farther down uh, down this uh, variable path, and, and we will for a little bit. But I, I, I don't know that we're gonna, you know, just kind of completely open up the book and get off topic on that. But um, communication is such a valuable uh, variable. 
uh, when we talk about building trust within ourselves and, and among our team. So the big, the big takeaway there with that third variable is asking yourself both internally um, and externally, what kind of communication am I having? What kind of communication are we having? Is it surface level? Is it avoidant? Is it um, uh, uh, smoothing over so we can just kind of move on to the next decision or the next um, the next agenda topic? Or is there depth behind it? Is there is there authenticity, which is the fourth um, variable that we're going to talk about here? But is it authentic? Is it transparent? Um, is it is it does it fuel discussion and dialogue that is open-minded where we can engage and, and not necessarily have to preface every comment we don't have to fortify um, our messages we don't always have to apologize for getting uh, uh, for sending miscommunicative message uh, miscommunicating messages we can dialogue authentically and we can really just take a problem or we can take an objective and we can approach it from various sides among the executive teams that I've I've worked with and that I've served and, and helped out from a consulting and coaching point of view, the, the the executive teams that can achieve this level of communication and authentically understand that their that that their messages are not meant to um, insult and it's not meant to diminish, um, and they in turn do not believe that the messages coming in are meant to insult or diminish them. Those are the type of, of executive teams and managing and management teams that have such a high level of trust and their performance is is by far and away um, more productive than almost anything you'll ever see in a in a workplace. And it's because there's been there's been time. You're you're allowing people to connect with each other. You're allowing people to learn about each other. Um, to to engage in experiences together and through those experiences you're learning how to communicate with each other you're learning how to achieve different levels of communication that all lead to this idea of trust so the fourth variable uh, that I mentioned a couple times is authenticity and authenticity is is pretty equal to everything here that we're talking about the reason why we cite authenticity as a, as a valuable component to building trust is authenticity is also vulnerability. Bringing your authentic self to work every day, being able to dialogue authentically with your colleagues, with your direct reports, it, it, it doesn't give anyone another card to think about. What do I mean when I say that? If you're not bringing your authentic self to work, if you're not able to communicate transparent, then, well, let's back up here a second because here's a better way of explaining it. If you're not able to bring your authentic self to work, then it will have permeating effects on how you communicate with other people, which will impact the experiences that you have with them, which will either waste away or, or skew the time that you have. Authenticity is who you are. And so when we are not being authentic within our workplace or we feel like the workplace doesn't allow us to be authentic, we're giving everyone else around us a new side of us, a foreign side of us, a side that we may not like. And that's going to influence the trust relationship among not only just yourself, obviously, but with your teammates that you work with, with your other leaders that you connect with. 
How can anyone trust another person if they're not being authentic in their workplace, at work? If you say you are who you are, then be who you are. Because that's the person that we want to work with. That's the, like, we want to work with the authentic self. We don't want to, we don't need a switcheroo, right? We don't need a, um, uh, you know, a, a, a swap out. We, we want to know who we're actually going to work with so that we can handle, um, we can be, obviously, we can, we can embrace the strengths and the value that you bring, and we can be prepared to handle um, the weaknesses that you may have, or maybe some of the areas that you need to develop. Authenticity doesn't get discussed a whole lot when we talk about uh, trust development, especially within teams, because we want people to like us. We want everyone to like us. I mean, one of the worst, one of the one of the worst things that someone could go through in the early stages of their career is being hired into an organization, whether you're a employee, a manager, or an executive. And within the first day, no one likes you. No one wants to listen to you. It gives you that cold, sweaty feeling on your back, right? And it gets even worse as, as, as you stay within those types of environments. You kind of feel like you can't be yourself, and that's going to impact your communication. Oftentimes, we may consciously recognize that, but I guarantee you that subconsciously, you don't recognize how this may affect your communication, those experiences, and the time that you have with other people to build trust. And that's why I saved authenticity for last. It really is something that is a, a foundational trust that an individual needs to have with the organization and the people that they work with. And I'm not saying, you know, you, you, know, you show up to work the next day and, and you're dressed in, you know, ripped jeans, a, a, a baseball t-shirt, you know, five o'clock shadow and, and a hat on backwards and you're just going to stroll into the, into the workplace and that's who you are. I'm saying when you do get up to work every day and you're ready to, to be a part of that organization, you're ready to be a part of that role and, and an active contributor, you need to be able to also bring your authentic self to work. You need to be able to feel like you can openly ask questions without it influencing how people perceive you. You need to be able to show that you are able to learn and grow in various competencies rather than hide uh, weaknesses that you may have. We need to be able ultimately to share our authentic self with others because people are looking, because just as much as you want to trust others, others want to trust you and they need to be able to trust the authentic you rather than the person that you want to be or the person that you project or the person that you need to kind of change out because um, it doesn't it doesn't help anyone there so okay uh, I mean this was a little bit one of a longer episode I hope that um, you know like when we do many of these recordings I hope for everyone that was listening this was real this was authentic um, <laughs> Uh, it was valuable and insightful um, because, again, trust is such a unique concept. And I, and I, I just want to kind of, as we start to close out here, I do just want to encourage you to think about that question again. What does trust mean to you? What does that trust experience look like to you? What does it feel like? Because that that will help you understand how each of the four variables that we talked about today, time, experience, communication, authenticity, It'll help you understand how they all fit like little little puzzle pieces on a board. 
So that's our con- that's our conversation for today. That's our podcast episode today. Hope everyone enjoyed that. Um, feel free to encourage and uh, feel encouraged to reach out to us. Like we always say, uh, we work with companies on this kind of on these kind of areas of organizational development and culture every day. So if you're a leader, if you're a human resource uh, executive or, or individual that would like to pick our brain on, on building trust within your organization, feel encouraged to reach out to us. You can go onto our website at www.organizationalrnd.com. Um, we are going through a little bit of a redesign, so bear with us, but it's looking really good. Um, you can also reach out to us on LinkedIn at Organizational Research and Development. Uh, and you can also reach out to me directly, Philip Beeg, on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I hope it helped to make your workplace better and we'll see you on the next recording. Thanks so much and make it a great day.